Welcome to the weekly NFL Reaction Show podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's NFL action. We will share our opinions on the NFL, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack football, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson, joined each week by former NFL player and the director of ministry outreach here at Unpacking It, my co-host, Corey Miller. Corey, great to be with you. How are you? Happy Monday. You know what? You know, we survived the Thanksgiving weekend, right? Everybody got the turkey, the ham, and everything. Uh, in, and, and of course, uh, probably ate a little bit too much like I did. Uh, but so it's kind of refreshing, if you will, to start a new week and, and kind of start to dial that thing back, you know, eat less this week, maybe a little bit of exercise. But but listen, man, it was a great weekend. I know you and your family had a great Thanksgiving. And, and of course, uh, glad to be back with you and, and all of the fans uh, here at Unpacking It so we can get back into this last quarter of college football and pro football going to be a lot uh, a lot to talk about and, and really some interesting things that uh, that are happening as we close out this calendar year absolutely and, and even today i saw that the the nfl added like a, a triple header on december 26th <laughs> which is a saturday so i mean we just got so much football the the, the rest of the the way and and in december it's going to be awesome and and so I, th- I thought Sunday was was very wild in the NFL, so we have a lot to get to today. Before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. And, yeah, it was a nice uh, week, a Thanksgiving week. I ended up having three different celebrations and the crazy thing was I woke up on Thursday for Thanksgiving thinking, all right, I'm going to be home today, watch a little football, hang out. And my neighbors ended up inviting us over kind of last minute. They had a bunch of food. The, the person that was going to come canceled. So we had a bonus Thanksgiving meal and it was fantastic. The, the sweet potato casserole that we had was so good. Um, and pumpkin pie, the, the, the best pumpkin pie of the three different meals that I had. Cause we also had another Thanksgiving meal on Friday. Uh, and then the, the Sunday previously. So anyway, I am, uh, I am full to say the least. I had to go with a little quiche today just to, uh, to ease in and, and ease out of all the, uh, the Thanksgiving food. But, uh, yeah, I'll admit that I like quiche. Some, some guys, they won't admit that they like quiche and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of the, the word quiche or what, but I love a good quiche. What about you, Corey? Well, brother, you know, I love you, but I, you know, just the fact that I'm a little <laughs> over 300 pounds and to go out, you know, and tell some other dudes, man, you know, hey, man, I love quiche. It just don't come uh, off right. They, they, they want me to say, you know, I like a big time bacon cheeseburger or, or, you know, steak and eggs or, you know, something like that fits who I am personally. But if I went out and said, hey, I'm Corey Miller and uh, I like quiche. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that this don't go together. I guess it's all right with, with me. I got a sweater on and I'm eating quiche. So there you go. We're, we're a little, we're a little different, but no, that, that quiche that I had 12 things of bacon, 12 uh, strips of bacon. So it was filled with bacon, some spinach and egg. So you, That's what it is. So maybe you say I had some loaded quiche. There you go. All right. Now I got, I, it's all about how you word it. Word, um, 
worthy. <laughs> so anyway, it was an awesome, awesome weekend. Uh, before we talk football, though, I, I do have to mention this because a lot of our listeners are dads and, and, and those that have been listening for a while know that they've, you know, they've listened to me as I was gearing up to become a dad. And now the last kind of year and, and three months, four months since, since Maddie's been born, I've been navigating the, the, the fatherhood waters. And guess what, Corey? I, I had one of my, my biggest whiffs. Actually, it was Thanksgiving morning. So before we got the call to go to our neighbor's house, I'm, I'm upstairs with, with little Maddie. We're in the playroom and we have this cool little teepee that we can go in and, you know, read books and, and play around, hang out and all that. Well, I, I remained in the, the teepee and I had forgotten that when we walked into the playroom, I had put my cup of coffee on top of kind of like the storage where there are little baskets of toys and all that. But I put it up top there on top of a Where's Waldo book. Well, as I'm hanging out in the teepee, little Maddie finds her way out and she goes to grab the Where's Waldo book. Mm. Well, unfortunately, she pulled down the book and there went the coffee all over little Maddie. And, and I could say it with a little bit of, of laughter, knowing that it, now she's fine. Thankfully, it wasn't hot yeah. coffee. I had, I had been nursing it a little bit. But let me tell you. It was a disaster in the Johnson household that day. Coffee went everywhere. It got all over the white teepee, all over the carpet, the wall, books, toys, everything. Needless to say, my wife was not very happy with me, but, but we survived the, the Thanksgiving debacle. And uh, that was my, uh, my, my fatherhood uh, whiff of, of the weekend. That's for sure. Yeah. You know what? It's just the first of many. I'm, I hate to inform you of this, but these types of things are going to happen again and again. It's, you start to get that terrible two and when kids are walking and, you know, and becoming so various, uh, so uh, very curious and, and, you know, wanting to touch sockets and the hot stove. Wow. So now you got to be able to, to lock stuff down and, and then you have to be aware of what you, where you put something because, you know, you, I'm sure like me, you're kind of busy and a lot of stuff on your mind and, you know, I would set my coffee down and play with the kid and I forget the coffee's there. You know, listen, just pray that, you know, thank God that coffee wasn't hot. You know, oh. that was a blessing in the whole thing. Amen. You can laugh about it today, but but it is a spot, as I said to you earlier, as we prepare for the show, it's, you know, I look back at those times with my kids and man, they were, they were wide open and uh, they were into everything. I mean, you take them out to the mall, they hiding in clothes racks, you don't know where they are, they start to panic. <laughs> I mean, it's like, man, we had to go buy like a little doggy chain thing or whatever, tie the kid next to you. I mean, so all these types oh, of no. things you're gonna have to go through. I'm sure they got some cool creative stuff now that back then in the nineties when my kids were growing up. But listen, man, I look back today, what a great blessing. And, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of hard times raising kids, but, you look back and go, man, that seemed like yesterday. And then they're grown. They don't have to call. You don't want to talk to you that much. You're not cool anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, so enjoy. Even in these moments, my friend, enjoy. Absolutely. No, I, I'm soaking in the, the moments. And uh, no, it's, I guess the, the, the moral of the story, I'm going to blow it. And I, I just have, like, I, I want to master, you know, being a dad. We all want to be great dads. And so when you, when you make a big just mistake a big whiff like that yeah uh you know it's easy to beat yourself up but uh yeah we need we need grace in those those moments for sure and thankfully maddie was fine she moves on she's on to the next thing she, she uh 
she's resilient. So I, I got to try to try to learn from her a little bit with that. But, uh, but anyway, so that was the, 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 I guess the big issue of the weekend, but overall a lot of fun, awesome, awesome time with family and friends and uh, watching a, a good bit of football. So from Thursday, you know, we had stuff, even games were on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was a loaded weekend of sports, throw in a little college basketball. I caught my Duke blue devils, uh, nice start to, to the, the college basketball season. And so some, some interesting storylines uh, with, with a lot of good teams, Gonzaga up there uh, kind of picking up where they left off last year, which ended up not being finished. So I think Gonzaga has got some unfinished business to, uh, to take care of uh, with college basketball resuming, but let's start in the NFL. And, and I think kind of the, the, the big storylines to, to, to dive into initially the chiefs, I mean, that performance yesterday, unbelievable against the bucks. And, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the issues going on in Tampa Bay. They've now lost, I guess, three of four. So uh, some concerns there in Tampa, but Tyree kill Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs are unstoppable throw in the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry. He looked unstoppable. And then the Green Bay Packers, unbelievable what they were able to do. And then the, the Saints against the Broncos, <laughs> the Broncos had no hope, which we will get into uh, in just a little bit as, as well. But, but initial reactions from, from a, a wild NFL Sunday for you. Yeah, I mean, you just hit on it. A lot, a lot of different storylines. I mean, of course, the number one thing NFL-wise well, definitely Tom Brady versus the new GOAT, in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes, who, who's definitely going to if stay healthy and, and can the, the Chiefs keep that team together with all those weapons, you know, that we, we, we see on the field. Man, how explosive is this team, right? Patrick Mahomes, 300-plus yards in the first half. I mean, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill over 200 yards in the first quarter, two touchdowns. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, this, this is absolutely crazy, insane. I mean, I felt bad for the secondary of the Bucs. Like, man, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, but they are just that good. They have so many weapons. So, you know, Tom Brady's still struggling, trying to find himself. And, you know, they got a plethora of weapons as well. I mean, you got, you know, Antonio Brown attitude. You got Kronk. You got all of these different guys. I mean, that they got to try to find out how to get the ball to. But they just... You know, they don't, they're not smooth. They're still trying to find their way. And I think the good news for them is they're going to get better at the right time. So, I mean, I, I know a lot of people down on Tom Brady uh, and, and this Bucks team, and they, they're ready to hand them the trophy based on paper. But when you don't have an offseason, you don't have OTAs, you don't have time to gel and come together, it's a problem. You can see that. These guys are just not grooving. You know, it's like dancing. They're not flowing together real nice right now. But this is a team still, the Tampa Bay Bucks. We could see a rematch uh, in Tampa, those same two teams, uh, in, in, in a couple of months. So don't 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 give up on the Panthers. I mean, excuse me, on the Bucks just yet. The other thing is the Panthers again finding a way to lose. <laughs> you know, and this is a team that's in about every game except for the one against Tampa Bay, and you know had a comfortable lead. The defense scores a couple of a couple of touchdowns. Jimmy Chin with two touchdowns, but down the stretch, they can't close the deal. And that seemed to be the storyline, right, of the Panthers right now, not being able to finish. Uh, you know, and this is a team that's got a lot of young players. Kudos to Matt Rule and his staff. But they can't finish games. And that's something that they have to address, uh, I think, going forward. Finding uh, finding ways to, to finish the game, finish people off. Because they've been in ballgames 90% of the time. They end the game, but they can't close the deal. So, I think that's intriguing to me as they lost to the Vikings, uh, you know, on yesterday. But 
Uh, a lot of good storylines out there. Of course, I don't know, understand how <laughs> the Broncos go into a game without a quarterback. Uh, you know, what a great opportunity. I was sitting there thinking, man, I played quarterback in high school. If I was in the pros but now, <laughs> man, the guy, they've been like, Corey, hey, man, get ready. You're taking snaps. And I'm saying like, hey, if Tim Tebow can do it, if somebody that the guy at the Saints can do it, uh, you know, <laughs> why can't I? You know what I mean? Direct snap, run a bunch of zone reads. I could do that. So it was fun trying to see what they did. Of course, one completion. One oh. completion. In an NFL grown man game where they get paid to play this game. One completion. So uh, that was that was just uh, uh, not pretty for the Broncos, man. Their whole quarterback room, not a band protocol. And, and again, that's a selfish act that cost the team. So you know, I know the teammates are not too happy about what transpired on yesterday. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that during our, our Unpack This segment in, in a little bit as far as what Drew Locke and the quarterback room ended up doing and, and, and putting the Broncos in that situation. But I, I, as I was thinking and watching Kendall Hinton, who, you know, played quarterback in college but was a practice squad wide receiver, I, I couldn't help but feel sorry for him. And there's like two schools of thought because like you were saying, everybody wants to play quarterback in the NFL and you want that opportunity to get out there and do it. But as I'm thinking about it, he wasn't prepared. He wasn't equipped. He, he didn't, I mean, there, there was no time for him to really put in practice. And so to be thrown out there where, you know, he, he hadn't even experienced the speed of the NFL and it's not like he had any kind of training camp, let alone just a, a week of practice. He didn't even have that. This was a few days yeah. of just yeah. kind of some, some walkthroughs. And, and so to, to be thrown into the wild like that, where he really, he wasn't even good enough to be considered a quarterback in the NFL. He's a wide receiver. So he's trying to switch positions just to make it in the NFL to then go out there and, and play quarterback. It was just, it was, like, it was almost like, ah, it's not fair to him and all that. But then, I know that he loved the experience and he was all excited about it. And, and man, what an opportunity for him. But, but for me, I'm thinking that's just not even worth it. That's it. It's like embarrassing. You're, you're, you're basically playing with like your, your hands tied behind your back because it's not a, you're just not in position to succeed. You're not set up to succeed. And so he didn't, he failed. It was, it was you know, one yeah. of nine, 13 yards. Bryce, a lot of it goes on the coaches. I mean, come on. You can run some hitches and screens. You and I can complete those, right? I mean, some hitches. Even now, this little receiver motion, you just flick the ball to him. That counts as a pass. I mean, my whole thing is, man, you have to be creative as an offensive coordinator knowing that you you have guys, a guy behind center that can't hardly complete the four pass, not a quarterback. So you got to have some things, some wrinkles in there to Help them. I think the Denver Broncos did a good job. But I, I was thinking about this too, real quickly is that if you were a wide receiver for the Broncos, knowing that you had to go play a game, knowing this guy, oh. how awful, how hard would it be to get ready when the stands are pretty much empty? You got a guy that can't throw it, you know, you're just going to hand it off and run a lot of. I mean, I was just thinking, man, these guys had to be miserable playing this game on yesterday because knowing that they're not going to get any pass unless it was some kind of hitch or if it was a little flick pass on the fast motion, the zoom motion. I mean, what a just crazy, crazy day for the Broncos. Well, and from a defensive standpoint, the Saints have a good defense. And then when they know it's going to be a run every time, there was no room. Because, I mean, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Lindsay ended up getting hurt. But 
they, they couldn't even get just any run game going. There was just no room to, to run. And, and so they were just completely shut down, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's so discouraging to the receivers and then Denver's defense knows they're, they're out on the field all day having to try to stop Latavius Murray who lit it up and, and Taysom Hill. And, and so I'll get, I was going to save this, but I'll just say this now, just some of the things that I'm convinced of following the weekend I'm afraid that, that I am convinced that this is the Saints year. And we've been saying it for the last three years, or a lot of people have. I've, I'm not a Saints fan. I'm a Panthers fan. And so I, I despise the Saints. And so I, I hate seeing them do well. But this Saints team, I think, is just too good. And they, they find too many ways to win. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. And like I said, Latavius Murray, he had a huge day. Alvin Kamara barely did anything. And, and so Taysom Hill can come in as the backup quarterback and, and, and play very well. Is he lighting it up through the air like Drew Brees? No. Um, and not that Drew Brees has even lit it up necessarily this year, but they've just, they've done enough to win games. Their defense is much better this year and they've really stepped up and forced turnovers. And I, I just find the, the saints to be the team that is, is clicking as well as anybody right now. They haven't had any of the, you know, the two week losses or anything like that. They've only got a couple losses on their record anyway. Whereas, you know, now the bucks have gone through kind of a little stretch of struggle and, and we've seen some of the other teams go through that. Whereas the saints, they've just been steady week after week. Drew Brees is going to come back, hopefully healthy, but he's going to be fresh. And, and if he is able to come back and get out on the field, he's going to be in a better position for a playoff run compared to even last year where he got a little bit of a break with Teddy Bridgewater but but I think he'll be ready to go, and I'm just afraid the Saints might do it this year. Well, this let's, might be year. Let, you know as you uh, you know as you are selling the the Saints. Okay, I mean I, you almost got me sold. I mean you almost <laughs> made me want to ding ding ding. Hey, I want some of that right there. I want some of that with with Bryce is selling the New Orleans Saints. But as I just alluded to, the you know the last part we were talking about the Buccaneers, right? The quarterbacks Mahomes and and, and uh, Tom Brady, they will be there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be there, although they lost to New Orleans twice already. They're going to be there because they're going to get better. We know Tampa's defense is stellar. They can play good football. I mean, they just was mismatched, mixed match on, um, on yesterday at the corner position. But defensively, they got a good solid front seven. They, they should be able to stop the run. Drew Brees, if he comes back, I mean, yeah, he is who he is. But – I think this Tampa Bay team is going to be a team that can cause some noise uh, down the road. I think another three Brady and these receivers, they're going to, and we saw flashes of that yesterday. I mean, he's kind of with Grunt down the middle that the play action pass that Ronald Jones, I mean, he's, he's doing his thing. Now the play action pass, that's who Tom Brady is. He's got weapons on the outside. I mean, so this team is going to be in the hunt. Mark this down. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Buccaneers are going to have something to say about the Super Bowl team uh, representing the NFC. Now, also, two more teams, the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson. They got some guys in. Defense is playing better. Yeah, he had a couple of games where he was struggling. But watch out for those Seahawks because they can make some noise as well. And, then, of course, you mentioned uh, that mama. Here comes that bad man again, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. They're, 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 they're get, catching their groove, too. So I'm not going to just say it's a lot for the Saints because I think there's four teams, but even though the NFC is a train wreck. I mean, train wreck. I mean, the Giants, my Giants in first place. 
How could it be? One, three in a row. I mean, now they're in first place. The Cowboys, man, they on a quick descent. NFC East, done. You know, the, the NFC South, you got Tampa and the Saints. And then you look at the West, of course, Seattle. I mean, folks were thinking about the Cardinals, but I'm not buying this stock either. But so you got four legitimate teams. That's a true contender out of the NFC to go to Super Bowl. And again, Tampa, Saints, Green Bay, and the Seattle Seahawks. Everybody else might as well pack up for Christmas because it's over. All right. So I, I like the Packers a lot and, and how well Aaron Rodgers is playing. And, and I think Matt LaFleur deserves just a ton of credit for, for what he's doing, uh, really revamping that whole offense and, and maximizing who Aaron Rodgers is. And I think the obvious takeaway from what we're seeing with Green Bay is Mike McCarthy held this team back and, and held Aaron Rodgers back and, and underachieved with Aaron Rodgers for all those years. And it's kind of sad to think about, really, uh, what, what Aaron Rodgers could have done and, and the more success they could have had if, if either, either McCarthy changed some of his, his strategies or, or just they had a different coach there all these years. Uh, because Matt LaFleur has come in here and, and I, I, was, I was listening to, uh, to get up this morning and on ESPN and you watch Aaron Rodgers out there. It's just easy and simple. And it's a beautiful offense to, to watch guys are open and he's getting the most out of Robert Tanyan and Alan Lazard coming back from injury. And of course, Devonte Adams is playing as well as any wide receiver in the NFL. And, and I, I'm just impressed with green Bay. So I think green Bay could go all the way but I'm not sure their defense is strong enough to do that. And that's why I'm afraid the Saints, they have the defense. The, Sa the Saints, I've picked them up on fantasy, and they've been awesome for me in recent weeks. They've been getting it done. And again, forcing turnovers. And, and so if, even if Taysom Hill is their guy, I think they can make a run. But I think Breeze gets them over the hump and is that veteran leader to, to get the, the Super Bowl win. Trust me, I don't want to, I want to be very wrong on this. But it just seems like things are coming together for the Saints. Um, but you mentioned, yeah, Arizona, uh, the Rams. I mean, those teams we can't trust. Um, and let, let's talk about the Bucks for a moment, though, because, again, I was listening to Get Up this morning, and Dan Orlovsky, I think, is just great. Rex Ryan's awesome. So I love listening to those guys. But they were talking about the Bucks And going into this season, and I don't always know what head coaches do, and so I'm a fan just watching. Like, hey, is this guy a good head coach or not? It's hard to always gauge. But there, there's just something about Bruce Arians where I always felt like – I don't think he's really got it. Like, what has he really done? He's been around a long time, but has he really achieved a high level of success? And it's hard to say that. And so Tom Brady comes into town and it seems like they're not working with Brady the way that they need to. They're not maximizing Brady's skill set and getting the most out of this offense and what he does well. And, and Arians is kind of stuck on in, in his way of, of how he likes to play offense especially and and so I think about Denver and when Peyton Manning went out there John Fox got out of the way John Fox said all right Peyton you run the offense let's build everything around you you're our guy and even as even as he uh Peyton Manning kind of struggled in that last year they still made it work around Peyton they didn't force him into you know an offense that he couldn't do um at that stage of his career they, they built up the defense they relied on the defense 
The Bucs are trying to willy-nilly throw the ball down the field. The, you mentioned the play action. They're not doing it consistently enough. They're not establishing the run enough. One week it's Ronald Jones. One week it's Leonard Fournette. And then one of them stinks. One of them dies. I mean, it, it's so confusing to watch them. They've got these great receivers, these great weapons, but they're, they're not utilizing them to, to, to their ability with Brady and, and the type of throws that Brady likes to make. Um, and I just think there's a level of stubbornness from, from Bruce Arians that we didn't see with John Fox. He knew better. I mean, let's face it. They won with Adam Gase as their offensive coordinator. So if that's possible, you can win with, uh, oh, with yeah. Brady in charge, right? Well, listen, I mean, you know, you got to let Tom Brady, you got to bring a guy in like that. You know, the guy's been the best quarterback, six Super Bowls. I mean, all the MVPs, regular season and Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, he has a way of thinking how he plays. He brings Gronk in uh, out of the retirement seat. He's bringing some pieces around him uh, with all the players that they already had that fit. You know, think about it. Tom Brady didn't really, you know, they had the Randy Moss the, a couple of years. He had some players at wide receiver, you know, Edelman, those guys. But, you know, the talent that he has around him now is unbelievable. Oh. I mean, unbelievable. And, and so they just got to, figure out how to distribute the football what works what works for Tom Brady and this football team offensively because we know it can throw the ball I mean they've been you know highlighting the deep pass right the deep ball and how inconsistent he has been they've been highlighting uh you know the pressure plays when he's under pressure when you blitz him you know he doesn't handle that real well and we've known that over the years right that that pressure bothers Tom Brady because he can't move he's not Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes can extend plays. He can buy time. He can improvise. He can run it. Tom Brady can't move. He, he's a he's a standing statue. He's a target. So when you bring pressure, especially up the middle, what you see defense is doing right now, he's forced to try to escape from the outside. He don't have the mobility to do that. So he's got to find a way. And we saw this yesterday. I saw it. When Blitz comes, a quarterback knows it. He's smart enough. He studies. He understands pre-snap read that the blitz is coming, so that ball is out of his hand. That's what they've done so well in New England. Edelman, all those grunt crossing routes, you know, they, they break off routes. Tom Brady, the ball is out. This is what I'm saying. The reason why they're struggling right now, they don't have that consistency that Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, and some of these other receivers know where he wants to go with the football. It's like he's, he's you know, and he just throws it away or, or making a bad decision and throwing an interception until you get – to the place where you're rhythm, you're in rhythm, you're in step, and they understand who Tom is and Tom understand who they are, then we're going to see this offense struggle. But I believe I saw some signs yesterday that they're close. I saw mm. some signs yesterday that they're close. So I think they'll get better. It's just a matter of the offensive line's got to play better. They don't, you know, they don't offer good protection. And Tom Brady, when he was in New England, he had – they spent money on the offensive line, Gee. you know, so, but I think they'll get it right. And I, I hear you about Bruce Arians. I'm with you. You haven't done it at a high level, but Tom Brady is a coach, you know, and I think they're good enough defensively that if they can get it done, they can be the best team in the NFC and they can represent the NFC at the Super Bowl playing at home. And I think that's who we're going to see. There, there's no question the talent is there on, on both sides because they've, they've built up that defense in recent years. And then this year they added even more, you know, weapons. They went and got Antonio Brown and, and Gronk. And, yeah. and and Gronk is actually playing really well because he was just a little rusty early in the season. We kind of wrote him off. And now he's finally got his legs under him and 
and he is a weapon. Um, and so I absolutely believe that things could click for them and, and they could go on a run, but it's just going to take some humbling and willingness to, you know, get on the same page, stop pointing fingers. We're already kind of seeing that in the, in the media or even the media trying to stir up controversy. And so how will Arians, how will Brady, how will the team, you know, rise above all that and, and truly get on that same page to where they're, they're clicking the way that they can. Uh, I mean, they went out and got Leonard Fournette. I mean, they, they've got every piece in place. They really do. Um, even Scotty Miller is that, that kind of underneath guy that you mentioned, the, the Welkers and Edelman. They've got that on their roster. And then you throw in Brown and Evans and Godwin. and I mean, it's crazy. Well, even Cameron Brate's a pretty good tight end. Yeah. So they're, they're all there. But they're, there's something clearly off, and there's only a couple more weeks to get it fixed. So that's, that's going to be the, the, the key for them. Um, all right, let, let's go over uh, – let's talk Panthers for a moment because this was kind of – this was one of the more interesting games of the day, actually, uh, because it, it came down to the wire. Panthers got up big. It looked like the Panthers were going to run away with this. And Kirk Cousins has actually been throwing the ball pretty well in recent weeks. And this game was without Adam Thielen, one of my favorite players in the league. But I was thrilled to see Chad Beebe come in. And he made a, a, a bozo kind of miss on a punt return. But I always appreciate when a guy – okay, so BB, uh, small school, just fighting to make it. His dad played in the NFL. Uh, maybe when you were playing? Was he around oh, when BB. you were playing? Yeah, yeah. So uh, always on those Bills teams. But he was a guest on the show. Don BB was. I'm a big fan of him. So, anyway, I was happy to see Chad BB ended up getting a touchdown later in the game. As a Panthers fan, though, I was devastated to see the way that they allowed Minnesota back in that game. And, and speaking of being on the same page, there, there seems to be a little, you know, kind of miscommunication, not on the same page with Bridgewater and Brady and Rule, especially on that, that almost touchdown that they could have had to DJ Moore. They rushed that play, and it was just kind of a, a missed opportunity for them. DJ Moore ends up hurting his ankle on that would-be touchdown play, and Bridgewater just wasn't able to hit him. Um, and so it, it seemed like there were multiple people in that fourth quarter for the Panthers that just didn't get it done. They didn't execute. And once again, here we are, Panthers fans, knowing this season isn't necessarily all about winning, but when we see our team in contention with an opportunity to pull it out, we still want to see our team win. We can't turn that off, even though the back of our mind, we recognize, all right, yeah, a, a, a better draft pick would be great and, and all that kind of thing. You want to see your team pull it out, especially when it's in within reach. And, and the Panthers gave that one away. They, they really did, especially like you mentioned earlier, Jeremy Chin, uh, NFL history, back-to-back touchdowns on defense. That was ridiculous, outrageous, unbelievable, impressive. And for the Panthers not to be able to win when that kind of play happens to score, you know, back-to-back plays like that, it's just a letdown, big-time letdown. You know, and let's let's go back. I mean, the defense kind of, you know, to the demise of the Minnesota Vikings, my other team, by the way, uh, where I played, right. finished up right. my career. But here's the thing. They gave them two gimmicks. I mean, Jeremy Chen, you know, didn't do anything special. He was just basically Johnny on the spot. I mean, you know, two fumbles, scoop and score, right? And they made me focus on the offense and they were in F the Panthers offense, you know, the defense gave me two touchdowns, So the offense didn't do anything. I mean, they really didn't. 
And so they took a major step backwards, in my opinion. Yeah, defensively, you can go back and say, well, the fourth quarter, you know, they had the lead and they gave up the lead. Because every defensive player that I've ever known playing defense all my life, you take pride in holding on to leads. You know, but at the same time, you got to have the right calling. And, I, and I'm, I don't like the defensive coordinators. I know a lot of people, Panther fans, are mad about Phil Snow and, and, and his play calling. And I get it sometimes because a lot of coordinators get conservative. When they got a lead, they play not to lose instead of playing to win. And you got to stay aggressive. You can't let Kirk Cousins sit back there and throw the ball down the field. I know they got players out. They still got Jefferson. Uh, they had other guys out, too. The tight end was out. I mean, the Panthers had a great opportunity and, and, and squandered it. Uh, and, and I think, you know, they got to figure out a way to close these games. A lot of that comes from the youth of a football team, right? They got a lot of young guys. They got a lot of uh, rookies on this football team. Maybe they don't have the leadership that they need to have to try to close these ball games out. I mean, even Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he, he's, he's played in Minnesota and he backed up, came in for Drew Brees, 5-0, and, and he comes here. Now this is his team, you know. You don't have Christian McCaffrey as the true, true leader of this offense. They took a major step backwards offensively. Defense couldn't close out. They couldn't get the stops when they needed. That tells me I have a football team that's immature. That tells me I have a football team that don't know how to win right now. But, again, they've been in most of the games except Tampa Bay a few weeks ago when they got blasted. But other than that, they've had opportunities to win games. But if they keep the course, and I'll say this to any Carolina Panther fan, these guys are going to figure it out. These guys, they're going to add some pieces, some more veteran pieces, along with those, those young guys, and they'll figure it out how to win. And I think that's a good sign. They're not getting embarrassed. They're in games. And I can go make arguments for a lot of reasons, too, that they're in games. I mean, pandemic and, you know, protocol and, and COVID, guys not playing and keeping. There's a lot of things. We saw Detroit last week. I mean, so we can go and say that stuff, but I'm impressed how they compete. I'm impressed that they don't quit. But the biggest thing for the Carolina Panthers right now, they just have to learn how to win games, close out teams in the fourth quarter when they have leads. And, and you know, you can't be afraid to be aggressive down the stretch playing defense. Trust your team, trust your kids, let them go out and play. And I think, you know, if they learn this concept, I think great days are ahead for the Panthers. I really do. I think Matt Rule was a good hire, and he proved it, and it's proving that he can put together a quality football team. Even though they're, what, four and eight or whatever it is right now, this team is going to be much better year one to year two in the Matt Rule era. I agree, and I continue to have optimism, and I'm thrilled with the way the young players are are performing, and even a, you know, a later round pick in Jeremy Chin, that's encouraging that, that those types of guys are, are filling out this roster. And I think back to the Super Bowl run a few years ago, that Panthers team was loaded with leadership and you know, veteran guys, even at the last minute, they got you know, Jared Allen and Charles Tillman and those types of players that were in that locker room. And, and it makes a difference. It really does. And the Panthers are in a transition with the leadership. Of course, the new coaching staff, a uh, new quarterback. McCaffrey's not out there. Uh, the defense is very young. Uh, you know, Trey, Trey Boston's out there, and, and Shaq Thompson is now one of the veterans. But 
but a lot of short, I guess, too. So a few guys scattered in there, but, but yeah, they, they, this, this off season has to be about bringing in, you know, more leaders, more guys that have been a part of winning cultures. Uh, that's going to, that's going to make the difference, but you're, you're right. The Panthers are building something. And if you're, if you're well-prepared and well-coached to where you're in games, sometimes, yeah, you just have to learn to win. And, and, you know, even somebody like Andy Reed, he had to get to the point where he could, could win on the highest stage. And so he won that last year. Now he's got the confidence. They can go out and win more Super Bowls because they've done it. And so the, the Panthers haven't done it yet. And so they, when they get into those tight spots and in, in tight games, if they haven't done it, they don't know how to do it. So you have to break through that. And, and I think next year, if you surround them with the kind of guys that can get them over the hump, uh, even on the coaching staff, cause it's a young coaching. Well, it's an inexperienced coaching staff from an NFL standpoint. Um, that factors into those tight yeah. games, clock management, play calling, the, the confidence to know, hey, this is the play we're running. Because on that play I was talking about, there was some debate on do we run, do we throw, what play do we go? Sometimes you got to have that, boom, decisiveness. And that comes with, with time and experience. And it, the Panthers, that's just that's not what they have right now. Matt Rule seems to, to know what he's doing in preparing his team and has a great grasp of – you're just being in games. And I think that's, yeah. that's the step. And, and Bryce, I think it's just a hard year to really judge. I mean, that's why I was not a fan of the firing of Will Muschamp. We got a year of pandemic, you know, it, it's just so hard to really know what you got. I mean, you know, you, it's been a hard year for everybody. I think this is a hard year to judge, you know, in, in any, any type of football team or sports team, except unless you're Matt Patricia, by the way, I mean, it's been this history of bad right. football, but, other than that, man, I, I just think it's been tough. Uh, but I do look at one thing, and I look at uh, the competitiveness of the athletes. I look at, uh, you know, they're in these games. These guys seem to gel together. And that's good news in, in, a, in a tough year to coach, in a tough year to get guys ready to play. So I think you're Panther fans. You got to be excited about, you know, another draft, another round of free agency, and hopefully and prayerfully uh, the Lord wills that we have somewhat near normal uh, off season with football and, and, and training and then see what they can get done. Yeah. Cause like you said, with the bucks too, I mean, a lot of these, these new coaches or new quarterbacks in, in new places, they didn't have that, that off season. And we're starting to see it kind of catch up with some teams too. Yeah. Um, other than the Cleveland Browns, the eight and three Cleveland Browns with a new head coach, Kevin Stefanski, uh, man, he's, he's done a great job. Like they're not lighting it up, but they're winning games and they're in contention and we'll see what happens with the, the Pittsburgh Ravens game. If that's get, gets played or what, but the, the Ravens are, are fighting kind of right there with Cleveland. Uh, Pittsburgh's kind of pulled them pulled away a little bit in that division, but it's going to come down. Can both those teams make the playoffs? It'll be interesting. But, uh, but I look across the league at some of the, you know, the newer coaches, your giants, they're leading the NFC uh, East, but now Daniel Jones hurt his hamstring. So he's going to be out a while. Yeah. So um, that's, that's, that's not ideal for them, but um, that was another new coach, new head coach who didn't have that off season. And, you know, they're not winning as much as I'm sure they, they would like to, but you lose Saquon Barkley and that kind of loses your, your optimism. And the same with the Panthers with McCaffrey, uh, it changes your, your outlook on the season, but uh, but anyway, good, good for the Browns. I mean, they, they've got a new coach and it seems to be making a difference. Um, Dallas, on the other hand, Thursday, Thanksgiving, that was embarrassing. Are you kidding me? That, that was weak yet again. I can't say um, that I'm, I'm, um, I'm feeling bad for him being a former giant. Just saying. 
That's right. You love it. You eat it up. But, <laughs> but I, honestly, on Thanksgiving, man, I'd love to see the Cowboys and the Lions do well, just because they're the, the ones that we're used to watching every year. Both of them had let down games. But Houston, we got to give some love to them. Deshaun Watson's playing great. Uh, I'm glad to see that he, he still is one of the top young quarterbacks in the league and he's finally clicking uh, again and they've got a little bit of a rhythm going. Not that they'll, I don't think they'll turn it around to make a playoff run, but, but at least to finish the year strong, uh, they have some momentum going into next year. Romeo Cornell to me, doesn't seem like he's at the stage of his career to be a head coach, uh, but he's at least getting them competitive and, and out there playing hard. Yeah. Um, Romeo's so, good guys uh, coach the defensive line when I was with the giants and, Oh, nice. On him for a lot of years. Great football coach, great mind. And, you know, of course, been with Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. So, you know, listen, you know, Deshaun Watson is a great, great talent. Uh, don't have a ton of talent around him, but uh, he's he's one of the better throwers of the football, very consistent, very accurate. And then, of course, with his ability to, to really extend plays, man, and improvise. I don't think a lot of folks understand how difficult that is when you don't keep contained with these quarterbacks like the Deshaun Watson of the world, like Patrick Mahomes, these guys, even Aaron Rodgers that can really buy time with eyes, eyes are dialed down the field. You know, you know, it just, it's, you lose guys. And that's why this whole new version of offense today is hard to play when you got RPOs and things like that. Now really that's, it really enhances the offenses because, you know, you're playing run and they, they running routes behind you. Linebackers are very, the most difficult position to play right now in college or pros is inside linebacker with RPOs. I mean, dude, I mean, you step up, man, you, you got a dig route running behind you. I mean, linemen can come down the field like a run play. I mean, everything is set up for offense. And Sean Watson does that better than anybody. And listen, he's a great player, but man, the system helps these quarterbacks now more than ever. Yeah, that's interesting to hear that the inside linebacker, that's the toughest spot to, to play right now. And yep. that's, that makes sense. Those RPOs. I mean, yeah. Kyler Murray's been a little banged up in, in Arizona, but, but you think about him and I'm not sure what's going on with the Ravens. I still haven't figured that out, but, um, but yeah, Jackson. And I mean, Carson Wentz, well, he used to do the RPOs as well. And we got to get him going again on that. Uh, we'll see what they do Monday night football against Seattle tonight, but your boy uh, Jalen hurts might be getting him out there a little bit more tonight. So I'm, I'm curious to, to see that. And, how many plays will they give them and will they actually pull Wentz off the field? So that'll, that'll be intriguing as well. Um, all right, let, let's talk a little college football. And I, I just continue, I, I've kind of said it over the weeks, like I want to get into college football and, you know, Alabama, Auburn, I always love that, that matchup and it's great rivalry, but I mean, we're seeing the top teams blow everybody out. Um, and so Clemson, you know, another blowout for them. And at least they played this week, but, and then you've got, you know, other teams like Ohio State, games canceled. It might get canceled again. They might not play enough games to make it into the Big Ten Championship. What will that mean for the college football playoff? It, it has been, it's almost just been so frustrating as a fan because we're not seeing the consistency. Uh, games are, you know, moving around and canceled, and it's hard to know, okay, who are the best players? Who are the best teams? Who's really deserving of, you know, the accolades or the rankings because not everybody's, it's not an even playing field by, by any means. And so we still love our college football, but it just, I'm just having a tough time wrapping my mind around watching it on Saturdays and, and to, to really get into it. Like I, like I wish I could. So you're diehard, you're keeping up with it. Did you go to the, the Bama Auburn game? 
I did not. Um, you know, I thought about it, but my wife has some work for me to do around the house. So I hear you. I made the right decision uh, to, to, to stay home yes. and do the things I needed to do. Let's see, college football, I love it. Uh, honestly, I love college football probably more than I love the NFL just because of the pageantry and all the, the tailgating and that's normally there, you know, just the, the spirit and the passion, the energy that comes with college football. But, but listen, going into this, this year with this pandemic and with COVID, I think most of us like were just saying, man, at the beginning, I was like, I don't even know if we're going to have football. And then, you know, they decided to play. And, and now we're sitting here, you know, 12 weeks in, 11, 12 weeks into college football season. I think we kind of, at least for me, went into understanding that there's going to be these issues. Ohio State, the Big Ten, you know, they were late to the party, so to speak. You know, the Pac-12. And, and, you know, then they decided, hey, you know what? Maybe we can play. It, you know, it took a lot of heat. And so now they came into to the situation with not a lot of room for error. That was part of it. He had to come in, but, I mean, they had the 21-day protocol, you know, which is going to makes it very difficult. So Ohio State misses a game last week and, and may miss, miss the game this week against Michigan State. And, and so now they may not have enough wins to play in the, the conference championship. But I know, if you know football and you've seen Big Ten, that there's nobody in the Big Ten. Everybody was thinking Northwestern last week after they got a big God. victory, right? And they're fighting Reese Davises and everybody, oh, you know, coaching. And how about this? And then they go out there and lay a rotten egg. Oh. Now, I mean, so... There is no question, regardless of what happens, Ohio State is one of the best four teams. They didn't even have to play, but based on who they had coming back last year, who's a quarterback, Ryan Day is a coach, then you look at the rest of the Big Ten and you see Penn State's, you know, finally won a game, finally beat a bad Jim Harbaugh coach Michigan team, Wisconsin, everybody thought, hey, man, then they had COVID issues and they come back and then they lose. I mean, so it's like, Who's been the most consistent? Everybody thought Indiana, well, they uh, they look a little shaky now. Their quarterback is done. I mean, so Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten. I don't need to see another game to know, and I'm sure the committee knows it, that there's nobody even close to the Big Ten to Ohio State, right? So whether they play in the championship or not, they're the best team. Then you go out to the Pac, Pac-12, Oregon, who everybody's like, that's our answer, this is our hope for college football playoffs out of the Pac-12. And what do they do? They lose to Oregon State in the fog, right? So, uh, I mean, so now people say, well, they don't have a chance. So let's just, for me, I I wish they would just play the college football season, got as many games in as they could get in. And I don't think this is a year to have a championship because it's just Hmm. not, I mean, with COVID and protocols and, Guys missing games and position groups missing games. And, and you get to the playoffs and what if somebody tests power? The coach is missing game. I mean, Nick Saban yeah. couldn't even be at the games. You know, he had the false yeah. positive against Georgia. He had to pass all these tests. He was able to coach this past week. He actually had a positive, so he had to sit home. I mean, that could have been costly. I mean, yeah. who's to say down the road that this is not going to happen? So here's my suggestion real quickly. Don't even have a, a champion this year. Don't even have a Heisman this year because, to me, you know, it hurts two guys that are winning this year, one and two, that obviously are the best players in the country. You know, that's Justin Fields and that's Trevor Lawrence. And then you throw in who I'm very proud to support, Mac Jones, who was balling out. And definitely playing all the games, he'd be in that conversation. Kyle Trask of Florida, definitely. 
those are the new guys. But Trevor Lawrence misses two games. Uh, Fields will probably miss two games, and he missed the first part of the season. Not play. How can you even determine who in a, in, a, in a very just crazy world right now that who's a champion? I mean, I think when you and I, Bryce, would say what we've seen, nobody's going to beat Alabama. Nobody. If 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 Jalen Waddle comes back, there, there's it's not even a close second to me. Alabama is so far ahead of everybody. Then I then I think you get Notre Dame. You know they look good. They beat Clemson, but people are putting the asterisk beside it because you know Trevor Lawson play. But I'm like Clemson defense has been a little suspect all year. So quarterback wasn't the issue against Notre Dame. It was their defense, and they had some guys out. But I'll give I'll give Notre Dame the edge. Then I got Ohio State. Then I got. Clemson slash AM slash Florida, however you want to throw those in there. Other than that, there's nobody else going to be in the conversation with the college football playoff. So why even have one? All right. So that's a good take, but I'm going to go the other way where I say expand it to where we just don't know. So we need more teams in in a playoff, and then we'll have a better understanding of, of who really is the, the best team when it matters most. And, and so some teams weren't playing in September. So whatever happened in September, it's hard to really, it's not an even playing field to, to, to gauge or to say, Oh, Clemson got this win in September. The big 10 wasn't even playing. So if you, if you take the, the best eight teams that we've looked at and seen, and you got to consider some of these undefeated teams as well. And, and you throw them in and say, Hey, for the middle, from the middle of December till the, beginning or middle of January, whatever time frame they make that work, you, you do an eight team or dare I say a 16 team, but yeah, I, I used to see it in FCS level with app state. I'd go to three straight games and or four straight games. Uh, Cause it was uh, a 16 team playoff and, and it was awesome. So it can be done. And, and I, so I would rather see that happen versus, you know, nothing at all or, or not be able to, to have a playoff. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I can agree with that, but I, I just think it's such a difficult year. And even in that, Bryce, do you don't have coaches could be come down. I mean, cause one test ruins everything. So how can you even get through a, a whole playoff? You know, well, numbers getting like, you know, key player can't t- test positive or it's like, we're not going to see the real thing. It's like, okay, we want to crown a champion. We want to say, Hey, this, this is the pandemic champion and the pandemic champion may come down that, who was so fortunate that at the right time their players didn't get positives. That might be the determination of who who wins the championship. And to me, if the best players, and I know we have injuries and things like that, but but if the best players and the best coaches not on the sideline and, and then on the field, to me, I think it makes it extremely difficult. But But that's part of the challenge this year. Like, it's just like if you have games on your schedule where you have to win in tough weather. Who plays better in the snow or who plays plays better in the rain? This season is who plays better with the protocols, with the health. And some of it's unlucky. Some of it's unfortunate. And, it, and it, it, you know, it, it happens. Um, and so it's hard to blame. Oh, well, you blame these people for getting it. You don't blame these people for not getting it. You know, a lot of different circumstances, different parts of the country just have more concentration of the virus than other parts. And so there are a lot of factors. But to me, all of that is a part of the journey of this college football season. And, and that's why, you know, with the Lakers winning the NBA championship, they were in a bubble. Some teams handled the bubble better. 
but the Lakers were the best of the bubble teams and they had a leader in LeBron James and they were able to stay healthy and, and, and make it through, but that's every year. I mean, there've been years where the Golden State Warriors had too many injuries. They couldn't win. And you know, this year, the San Francisco 49ers aren't going to win the Super Bowl because they have too many injuries. Um, even though they played well yesterday, that was an impressive win for them. Um, but, but anyway, so my point with college football, even to me, it's next guy up. You just, a lot of these guys are on scholarship. A lot of these guys were the best player in their small town. This gives them an opportunity. So instead of canceling the games, I say, just get them out there. Keep playing. Just like we saw with Clemson, Trevor goes down. Other guys get a chance to play and step up. And, um, you know, that, that's the way I, I lean on it. So it's, uh, it's a good, it's a good debate. It's a good yeah, debate I mean, I got so much other stuff I want to say. I'm like, I know we all have a, a certain amount of time, but, but I, I just, yeah, I mean, college football is different. I mean, because, you know, you might have a year where you're thin and you got, you know, it was like South Carolina the other night. I mean, they had to play with a lot of walk-ons because due to injuries and opt-outs, they just don't have a lot of players. They're very thin. And then you go out there and you watch football, it's hard to watch. I mean, because the reality is if you play a lot of freshmen and a lot of walk-ons against Georgia, it's like, it's just, it was kind of ugly. It was like, okay, uh, B team, you're going to play the varsity tonight, scrimmage, <laughs> you know? And it's like, boop, 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 boop. and it's like, no, I don't want to watch that. I mean, I, I can appreciate hard work, but I don't want to watch, you know, guys that really shouldn't be playing, not ready to play. Guys that, you know, got good hearts and want to be successful, but they're not very talented, like, you know, like most walk-ons. I mean, that's just reality <laughs> of it. And now you're going to ask them to go out there and play against a top five, top ten team. Like, nah, it's like, I want to see, I want to see, and I understand injuries because injuries happens. And, but when you're talking about COVID, I think that's just a different beast because, uh, you know, it can knock out like we saw with the, the, the Broncos. The whole one guy makes a bad decision. The whole quarterback room is wiped out. They don't have, they don't have any chance to win. Zero. Um, yeah. You know, offensive line group. You know, one guy, and you, and they get wiped out, and you got to throw guys out there and try to move a defensive lineman to say, okay, you got to go over here and try to block the, block the best pass rusher in the country. I mean, it's just a, for me, I'm just saying it's just a hard year to really judge. You just, we don't know what's going to happen, Bryce, because, you know, you know, we didn't know. I mean, Clemson, Florida State, you know, they make the trip. They get down to Tallahassee, no game. Last week, you know, Florida State again, expecting to play the day of, no game. I mean, it's just a lot of crazy stuff to me that I'm sitting there going, it messes with the psyche of these coaches, these athletes. And you're right. You know, you got to figure out how to manage the best you can. And a lot of these teams have a magnificent protocol, but you know, one player does something, a knucklehead or, you know, decide you don't want to wear masks and goes to a party on campus or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's like, it's ruined. So it's just a difficult year. I'm so thankful that we have something to be entertained by, but, I, I just took, you know, I think the Heisman is going to be looked at real funny just because people are going to say, well, Trevor Lawrence missed two games. Well, he's out of it. He can't win the Heisman. Uh, you know, Justin Fields, you know, he's only played five games. He ain't going to be able to win the Heisman. This is the guys like Mac Jones. The Heisman right now is coming down to two people, and they're going to play in the SEC championship, and whoever out 
duels the other going to win the Heisman. That's Mac Jones and Cal Trask. But those are the two guys that have played well all year. So it's not that they, they haven't earned it, right? They're not getting ha- handed that award. It's, to me, it's not – those guys are good. Those guys are, those are good quarterbacks. No, no, so why definitely you- really good quarterbacks. But I'm just saying with, with COVID and with decisions made by conferences, you know, the guys that who have definitely been in the Trevor Lawrence and, and the Justin Fields not going to have that chance because, you know – and that's cool. I mean, and I know that Fields, you know, came back. One reason he came back was to win a championship and probably to win the Heisman. Trevor Lawrence, okay. most, the reason why he came back was to win the Heisman Trophy. I'm, I'm yeah. sure of that. I mean, now you keep saying, well, maybe it's not my last game because he wants to win the Heisman Trophy. And, and he came back. Wow. And now if you missed two games, to me, he's not. he can't even be in the conversation. And he missed the most – pivotal game that he needed to play against the best team that's on their schedule. And that's Notre Dame with the best defense that he could have highlighted on national television. Guess what? He was highlighted by having COVID and missing the game that, that he missed this moment, but people are seeing Cal Trask throwing the Cal Pitts. They said Mac Jones throwing the Devonte Smith and lighting it up on the big stages. And that's the two guys. I mean, like BYU guy playing phenomenal, but they're not giving him zero love because of the schedule. You know, I ain't playing nobody. So, so this this Heisman race just down to two people, and I just think it's a shame that those other guys who are more than worthy because of uh, you know circumstances they can't control has cost them the opportunity. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I feel for those guys for sure. Uh, I just don't know if it means then you just eliminate the Heisman Trophy. I think who was the best with what was given and the games that that were that were played and what we saw. And so, I mean, I hope Mac Jones win it now. Come on now. I'm a, I'm a guy. <laughs> I like the Kyle Trask story. I like the Kyle Trask story. He was a backup for his whole career, and now he's a, now he's a, up for a Heisman. I, I love it. That's so, a great story. Uh, Mac Jones going to win the Heisman. He's he's been lighting up. That was an impressive win against <laughs> Auburn. That game was over quick. We've seen some classics in that matchup, but that was not one of them on, on Saturday. That's for sure. All right. Yeah. There's so much. Uh, yeah. I probably I had other things to, to say along those lines, but we'll, we'll continue to talk about that in the coming weeks because more will be revealed as to what the plan is. And it is kind of a, a moving target and you kind of throw everything out the window. Anything's possible really that this season yeah, you could. They could play till the end of January. I mean, that's a possibility. Or oh, just yeah, call the season. Interested. Or just call the season. It's over. You know, no, we're not playing anymore. Like that could happen. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, I, before we started recording, the the Ravens Steelers game is still up in the air. That game may not be played. So by the time we're done recording, that game could be canceled. So yeah. that would affect fantasy for me in a big way. I got I got Big Ben playing, so um, I'm hoping they play. But uh, but anyway, let's um real quickly let's talk uh coaching and coaching vacancies, especially uh, with your alma mater in the mix and and wondering all right who's going to replace Will Muschamp and even just hearing other names and circumstances, you know what happens in Texas and Nebraska and does Urban Meyer return to to college football and with the way Liberty is playing this year, uh, what does that mean for Hugh Freeze and. So uh, a lot, it's always interesting, but to your point earlier where it's hard to judge this season, like it, how do we make decisions that, that affect careers and lives 
based on what's taking place. And that's, I'm with you. That's where it's really hard to make those decisions. Now, the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia, that was, to me, it wasn't a great hire to begin with. So I'm not surprised that at this point it's not working out. Um, But some of these other circumstances, you know, even Texas, Tom Herman, do we already know that it's not working there? They've got, they've got high expectations there, but um, so anyway, it's Scott Frost in Nebraska. Is Nebraska really a powerhouse? Is should their expectations be as high as they are? Uh, so anyway, but wh- wh- where do you stand on some of these, especially with uh, with South Carolina? You know, let's start right there, Bryce. Let's start with the Gamecocks. I mean, right now, I think it's a two man race, if you will, with who's going to become the head coach at South Carolina. Uh, you know, everybody seems to be the fan favorite right now. Shane Beamer. He's from South. Was born in Charleston, South Carolina. Coached at South Carolina. No. Uh, you know, the recruiting landscape uh, was recruiting coordinator here when they had the best run ever at the University of South Carolina those five years under Steve Spurrier. Uh, he's got the support of the Alshon Jeffries, the, the Marcus Lattimore, DJ Schwangers, you name all these guys who are now uh, in the league or played under him. He's got t- tremendous support. But my question comes, is he the best hire? I, I don't know. He's never been a head coach. He's never been a coordinator. Uh, you know, he's been a special teams coach and he's been a recruiting coordinator. He came from a family of football, right? You know, I mean, Beamer Ball. I mean, he understands from Virginia Tech and his father, Frank, you know, he understands football. He gets it. Been around great programs. I've been in Georgia with Kirby Smart. He started with that. We're out at Lincoln Riley now with Oklahoma. I mean, uh, this guy has been around a lot of great football. Could he get it done? Is he the splash hire? I don't know. I think if you do hire Shane Beamer, you know, he's he's going to be the Dabo Swinney, right? Because Dabo wasn't a coordinator, never been a head coach. He jumps in. He hires great coordinators. He figured it out. First couple of years, a little rough. He figured it out, brought in great coordinators. They're off and running. Can Shane Beamer be Dabo Swinney at South Carolina? It's a million-dollar question. I don't know. You know, Dabo is kind of, you know, he's a, he's a real estate salesman. I used to call him that when I had my show in Columbia. You know, he can sell you, you know, whatever you want to buy. He can sell it to you. He's a salesman. He can he brings that sales pitch. Frank, uh, Shane Beamer is not that guy, in my opinion. More straight legs, but a great guy. Can he change the culture at South Carolina? I don't know. I'm not so sold on it, to be honest with you. I, I You know, I like Billy Napier better, and I, and I like it because he understands being a head coach. He understands he's, he's, he's doing a great job right now as a head coach. He's also been an assistant at great programs like Clemson and Alabama. The guy's been around, uh, you know, and tutored under the, the, the best coaches. It's showing off right now. I like Billy Napier. He has South Carolina ties. To me, that's the guy that I would hire because what I heard last week from a very good source, ESPN, that I talked to who reached out to me about some things, Hugh Freeze, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, who I think will be an excellent coach, going to be an excellent coach for somebody. A lot of coaches turned the job down, Bryce. A lot wow. of coaches said no to South Carolina. And, it's, and it supports what I've been saying. As a Gamecock alumni, it is a difficult job. It's a hard job. You have to, to believe that, hey, I can come in here and change the fabric and the landscape of this program and recruit at a high enough level that I'm going to knock down Georgia, I'm going to knock down Florida, I'm going to knock down Tennessee, Kentucky, and Mizzou. Can, can you get a coach to do that? Can you get a coach that, and will the program be happy enough to say, hey, I'm okay if we play for 
SEC championship one in six years. Because that's really realistic, what you'd be looking at. What a good team. That's what Spurrier did. One out of the five years where they were winning games and finishing the top ten at the end of the season, he played for an SEC championship. One time in which they got beat down by Cam Newton and the Auburn Tigers. So they ran into a buzzsaw on the West. They always are going to, there's going to be a buzzsaw somewhere, even at the best years for South Carolina. So th this is the thing. Fans at South Carolina got to be realistic. I mean, seven to nine wins, going to a good bowl game, chance to win 10 games here or there, maybe an SEC championship appearance every one to five to six years. That's what you're shooting for. Sometimes I think fans can put their expectations just a tad bit too high. So we'll see. But as right now, as right now, in my opinion, Billy Napier, Shane Beaver. One more other coaching spot I want to talk about makes zero sense to me, Bryce. Why would Vanderbilt fire mm. Derek Mason? Why? You're Vanderbilt. You are the bottom feeder of the conference. Who are you going to hire that's better than him? This guy is an excellent football coach. You are Vanderbilt. I understand, again, in a crazy year, when they were down to about 30-something scholarship players for a few weeks, who are you going to beat because of COVID? They, they can't – some teams can suffer the loss of players. Vanderbilt can't. And who, who's going to take that job? If I'm an up-and-coming up coach, you know, right here in Charlotte, whose name is now thrown out there, Will Healy of UNCC, yep. who I think is an excellent football coach, but he will be crazy unless he's just doing it for the money, to take that job. Because here's the reality. You're not going to win at Vanderbilt. If you can get five, six wins and make a bowl every now and then, you got no fan support. You can't you just, you just can't get players in because the, the academic standards are so high. What coach are you going to get to come to Vanderbilt in the SEC? I, I just – that move of Derek Mason being fired just baffled me because I'm like, if you want to ruin your head coaching career quickly and never have a chance again, then become the head coach at Vanderbilt for the football team. It's not going to be good. It's so interesting in, in college football, especially it's all about expectations and, and sometimes the delusion of whether it's the athletic director or certain boosters or whoever is pushing for these, these different firings. Um, it, it's, it's crazy. Cause I, they're I, to me, like Nebraska, like give Scott Frost a little bit more time. I don't know who Nebraska thinks they are. It's been a long time since they've been in the upper echelon. Let, let's see what Frost can do. Um, and even Texas, I mean, Texas, they got all the resources. They, they should be better than they are. Um, but they've now been churning out some guys since Mac Brown. So, and they thought, oh, we got to move on from Mac Brown. Well, he's doing all right at Carolina. So was that your best decision? So expectations, delusion, a lot of times they, they think they should be way better than they are, and it's just not, not realistic. And so, yeah, schools like Vanderbilt, you got to know your place. You got to know, know where you're at. And you, and you hope you bring somebody in that you know, can build and change and all that, but sometimes it, it takes a long time to do that. And a it's lot funny. of recruiting classes. South Carolina hard, then Vanderbilt is double. Yeah. Part. Oh yeah. Well, you look like, you know, Duke is kind of a similar situation. They just stuck with Cutcliffe and he's had some success and all that. They're not winning ACC championships, but, and they've had some down years here and there, but they just stuck with Cutcliffe 
And and I think they have reasonable expectations for their program. Probably a little bit, a little bit better for them. Yeah, and, um, and, but the, I mean, let's be honest, the, the, the conference is a lot easier too. Um, well, that's fair. Yeah. Whereas NC State fans, they've got high expectations. They want to, <laughs> they want to, they think they should win national championships. I don't know. But uh, yeah, you gotta love our Wolfpack fans, right? I'm, we got Brady. I know, I know Brady's listening. He's listening. You gotta love the optimism. That's right. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of optimism, let, let's leave with an encouraging uh, word here today. And, and we're going to go back to kind of one of our first stories, which is, was about the Denver Broncos. And so each week on the show, we wrap things up with a segment we call Unpack This. We take a, a sports story related to the Bible, related to our own words. And, and I, I send this out in, in through email each day. Uh, we call it Unpack This. And you can subscribe for free by going to Unpacking It dot com slash subscribe and get the devotional in your inbox and so today i i want to talk about the the denver broncos and the, the the craziness that took place with kendall hinton out there as the the de facto qb one of nine 13 yards two interceptions the, the team only had 112 total yards 2.6 yards per play they lose to the saints 31 to 3 but we have to go back to the decision that led to all of this and, and really the admission and ultimately the confession of Drew Locke. And, and so I want to read what, what the normal starter Drew Locke had to say. I guess he posted this on social media. He said, in a controlled and socially distanced area, we let our masking slip for a limited amount of time. An honest mistake, but one I will own. I sincerely apologize and fully understand why these safety precautions are so important. Doing the right thing for a majority of the time is not good enough. Then head coach Vic Fangio, he added this. He said, I was disappointed on a couple of levels that our quarterbacks put us in this position, that our quarterbacks put the league in this position. We count on them to be leaders of this team. So that's disappointing. They got lax with their masks, I guess. They got lax with their distancing, I guess. And so as I read these, these comments, I don't want to get into the, the face mask debate or whether or not you think they should be wearing masks or it's their fault or where you put the blame or whatever. But ultimately, they're admitting this. And they're admitting that, hey, we got a little lax with the mask. We, you know, however long it was, it, it, it opened up the door for them to come in contact with the virus and, you know, Jeff Driscoll, one of their quarterbacks, he, he had it or he tested positive, and then all three quarterbacks were around him. And, and, you know, why the NFL doesn't have one or each team have one quarterback where they're totally quarantined is beyond me. They should absolutely do that. Uh, even if it's like, you know, the Eagle or uh, who did it? Either the Eagles or the Texans have Josh McCown um, as, their, as their fourth string quarterback. And I think it's the Eagles, even though he's down in, in Houston, um, he's quarantined from the rest of the guys. But anyway, um, as I think about these comments, what is underlying in these comments, kind of the principles behind these comments really can relate to our own lives when it comes to the battle against sin and, temp and temptation. Because let's face it, we can all very easily, you know, slip for a limited amount of time or, you know, dis disregard God's warnings or become lax about God's commands or quote unquote protocols, right? We, God has given us boundaries. 
He's given us commands. He's given us his, his precepts, his in, instructions, and he expects us to, to follow them. It's out of love. And, 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 you know, for us, it's out of a, you know, a, a heart of gratitude and, and understanding that, that God's way is the best way. But let's face it. We kind of put our mask down. We, we, we drop our guard a little bit and, and we allow sin and temptation to enter our lives when we do that, when we, you know, aren't kind of on our A game and taking things seriously and, and understanding the, the warnings and, and taking them seriously. And so the, the Bible explains in, in James where it says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And, and then in James as well, in the Amplified Version, it says, but prove yourselves doers of the word actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. And so, uh, again, we have to you know, be aware of these parameters and protocols for you know, guarding ourselves against being, you know, infected with temptation and, and, and engaging in sin. And so, um, the, the other kind of aspect of it is, uh, in Proverbs where it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So that's where our guard is. That's our mask, quote unquote, you know, we gotta, we gotta guard our heart and, and, you know, recognize, okay, what are we letting in? What, what kind of sin are we surrounding ourselves with? What kind of people are we surrounding ourselves with? Or is our guard up? Is our heart being protected? Are we protecting our mind as well? Um, and so, uh, yeah, my, my last encouragement, you can read the devotional. I, I went another direction as well, but, but we'll, we'll stop there for, uh, for the, the, the podcast version. Um, but, but basically, my encouragement for us is to, to eagerly follow God's instructions and trust in his plan and his purposes. And, and let's not take sin casually or his commands loosely, but let's seek to always obey with joy and passion, not out of a burden, not out of a, a have to, but a want to, and, and a true desire to, uh, to trust him and follow him so that we don't get, you know, lax or slip. And, and then even if we do, we have to remember to confess kind of like Drew Locke did. You confess, you repent. And ultimately as followers of Jesus, we rest in God's grace. And we know that he still loves us and that he shows us grace. Doesn't give us an excuse to get lax, but when we do, we know that we can turn to him and run to him and, and find his, uh, his comfort and love and grace. Um, but there are consequences. There are consequences when we let our guard down as the Broncos saw, they faced the consequences of their quarterbacks, letting their guard down when it came to the virus. Um, and so that, that parallels our own lives as well. Cause there are consequences when we uh, allow you know, sin into our lives and, and we kind of dabble a little bit. We put our mask down a little bit and let it, let it come in. So I'll, I'll stop there, but, but Corey, uh, what, what else would you like to add to that? What a great reference, uh, Bryce, by the way, and uh, the temptation of sin and how, how we can just compare that to the action that we saw from the Denver Bronco quarterback room. And, you know, we can't say that, you know, God calls, me to do this or do that, you know, because God does not tempt us, right? God doesn't, we can't blame God for this situation. But the reality is we're going to be tempted. You got to understand that as we go through life, there will be temptation, but the temptation comes from the adversary, the enemy, Satan, the ones who come to steal, kill, and to destroy. You know, I think about when you was talking, I thought about Jesus when he was tempted. 
right? Yeah. Satan took him up, led him up. When he just finished fasting, when he was at the weakest moment of his life, he was tired. Can you imagine when you fast, you don't eat, your body is weak, you, you're probably mentally weary, you're tired. Just like I'm sure those quarterbacks was tired and weary and weak because they're sick of wearing the mask. Let's be honest. They're uncomfortable. Nobody really likes them, but we know it's for our good. So the enemy came to Jesus and just started telling him, hey, you're the son of God. He's hungry. He's weak. He hasn't eaten 40 days. Turned his stone into bread. And Jesus refuted Satan every time with the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. My point is this, we're gonna be tempted. One, we can't say God tempts us. We're tempted by our own sinful nature, right? But when we are tempted, he always provides a way of escape. He always gives us a place that we can get out of, of things. But we have to resist the devil as James 4 and 7 says, and he will flee. When Jesus continued to resist and came back with the word, the Bible says Satan left. He fleed for a season only to return again. So as long as we walk in this world, we're going to be tempted, but we can overcome the temptation by standing on the word of God. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit will continually throughout my life, throughout Bright's life, throughout your life, it will wage war. And every single day, we're all going to be faced with doing right or doing wrong, making the right decision or making the wrong decision. But the more we stay in God's word, rooted and grounded in the word of God, we will win the battle of making the right decisions most of the time. We're going to make some bad decisions. And as Bryce says, there are consequences of those decisions. But I love what the scripture says when we confess our sin, that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of those mm -hmm. sins. So we don't have to walk in, in spirit of condemnation. We can walk in freedom because the Bible says whom the son set free is free indeed. And if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, you, my brother, my sister, you are free and you are free indeed. And I'll leave you with this. <laughs> I'll leave you with this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of, the present, of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So I say this, stand, my brother and my sister. We're gonna fight this enemy. He's gonna give us all kinds of schemes and wicked things. It's not like I'm sure the guys say, hey, you know what? We're just gonna be here for a little bit. Let's take these masks off. And, and that, that, that mistake, that sin just didn't cost them. It cost the entire team. So when you're out here making these decisions, when I'm out here making decisions, I can't just think about just me. Will it affect my family? Will it affect mm -hmm. my children? Will it affect my community? Mm -hmm. Let's continue to stand. After having done all, stand. Amen.
Amen. Wonderful word. And uh, yeah, appreciate that. And, and what a, what a great comparison, the, the armor of God and, and comparing it to the mask that, that you know, we got to, got to wear for the, for the virus. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, that the sin virus is the one uh, we're concerned about even more so today. That's for sure. But, uh, but thankfully, yeah, we've got the armor and, and Jesus uh, gives us the strength and, and a way out, uh, which is, which is key. Um, so we got to continue to follow him. Well, Corey, great talking football with you, but I love talking faith and appreciate the encouragement. Uh, we'll talk to you next Monday here on the Unpacking It podcast. As always, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast.